for the last time. Sing that sickness tremble at your presence. Sickness tremble at your presence. What am I? God, we say, what a mighty God, we say, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, yeah, everything written about you is great, sing of who is like unto thee. Oh Lord, who is like unto thee? Oh Lord, who is like unto thee? Somebody lift up your voice and bless him. Lift up your voice and thank him. In all the other is none like you. None like you. None like Jesus. None like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to lift up your voice and begin to thank the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord. Lift up your voice. Begin to bless the name of the Lord. Whatever that you are, lift up your voice. Begin to thank Him. Exalt Him. Lift His name up high. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Tonight we are privileged to have our Father in the house. With all humility, a clap offering unto the Lord as we welcome our Father one more time. Oh, come on, do it better. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I want us to bow down our heads and let's pray. Abba Father, we are so grateful to you for this precious moment in your presence. It is a precious moment to us because your word is better than good. As we gather and congregate around your word, we know we have come to receive life. 
And we pray that our spirit man will be imparted with the mysteries of your kingdom. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of the law. So shall we talk of thy wondrous works. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You are welcome to the teaching service tonight. Last week we began a series on the subject divine principles for or let me put it in a better way, divine principle a key to survival in these last days. The Bible, prof, the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come, hard times, difficult times. We are in these last days and we are experiencing difficult times. It is prophecy that must be fulfilled. But there are keys that God has handed over to the church by which when we follow, we will live a victorious life in spite of the challenges that are confronting our world today. And such, some of such keys is what we'll be talking about. We started from last week. Last week we read the scriptures in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23. And I want us to read the scripture again. The book of Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23. The Bible says, Thou seest the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Move it on. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. So the Lord has made it clear the things that impresses him. It's not about houses, it's not about what people boast in. People boast about houses. They boast about money in the bank. They boast about material things. God said, these things that don't impress me. He said, these are the things I delight in. The people that I delight in are the people who knows me and they understand me. So God is saying that if you are going to have a boast as a Christian, your boast is not supposed to be, do you know me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I have? And then by all these things, you are referring to material things, your car, your house. God said, I, I do not delight in these things. He said, I delight in people who knows me and understands me. So, if you are going to boast, you should be able to boast and say, I know whom I believe. I know whom I believe. That's what Apostle Paul used to say. Initially, we heard him saying that I want to know him. That I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. And then at a point in time, he said, I know whom I believe. Because when you text for him, you desire for him, you will know him. God will show himself to those who are thirsty. Blessed are they who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness. For they shall be filled. And so God is saying that in these last days, what will save you is not your houses. Money will be devalued very soon. A time will come. The whole world will go cashless. Money will lose its value. It's even losing its value now. 
Money. If you put your trust in money, you are not wise. Put your trust in worldly properties, you will lose them in a moment. There's a treasure we call the knowledge of God. When you have it, you will never be able to lose it. In fact, the time is going to come, the Bible says, and they that know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. It's the knowledge of God that will be valuable. So those of you that doesn't have time studying the Bible, you don't, you are busy. You cannot even, when you come to church, when it's time to preach for preaching, you sleep. You are losing great treasure. A time will come when demands are, are placed on you to produce what you know. You'll be found wanting. Because when demons attack you, <laughs> you, you can't tell them, you know the money I have in my bank account or I'll bribe you. It is the word of God that you know that will save you. And we are going to experience a lot of demonic attacks in these last days. Things are going to be very tough. Perilous times are coming. So, we learned here that um, uh, God is making foolish the wisdom of the wise. So, we read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 19, chapter 1 verse 19 and 20, God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to naught the understanding of the prudent. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to naught the understanding of the prudent. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we mentioned that it is a prophecy that must be fulfilled in Luke chapter 12, verse 26 and 27. Okay, thank you. Whose voice then shook the earth? But now, he had promised. You see now? So God has already shaken the earth before. But he has made another promise. He said, now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I will shake not the earth only, but also heaven. So he said, before, <laughs> some time ago, I shook the earth. But now I am going to shake both the head, the earth, and the heavens. Look at verse 27. Then he said, 27, and, and, and this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken. So there are things that are shakable, and those things, when the shaking takes place, they'll be removed. Anything that is shakable will be shaken down. And then he said, as of things that are made, understand the word, things that are made. In other words, things that are man-made, man-made things. Okay, they will be shaken. That those things which cannot be made may remain. So things that man made, man made things. Be careful what you are building your life on. If your life is built on kululu, corruption, it's a man made thing. It will be shaken if you acquire all the things you have by corruption. When the shaking happens, they can't stand the test of time. Anything that is made out of man, by man, human reasoning, human philosophy, human abilities, those things will be shaken. Every man-made thing will be shaken. Praise the name of the Lord. I might speak to somebody. So, it is wisdom to start building your life on solid things that cannot be shaken. And that is why we are learning about divine principles. Divine principles are solid foundations. 
on which any structure will survive the test of time. When you build your life on divine principles, it cannot be shaken by anything. And I will explain to you why I am saying this. So in the book of Job chapter 5, Job also prophesied and said, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And the counsel of the fraud is carried headlong. He catches the wise. People who think they are wise. <laughs> and because of that, in this last day, we call it smart people. They think they are smart. They use means, every means possible to make money. All those things they are gathered will shake. They think they are wise. God will catch them in their own craftiness. So, learn the principles of the kingdom and abide by them. Learn the principles of the kingdom. The word of God is the only thing that cannot be shaken. When the shaking occurs, look at how coronavirus shook the world. Look at how doctors, eh? I watched a clip, a video clip, doctors came up from their big hospital and they came on the streets. They all knelt down and started crying because they couldn't save the people. It was beyond them. All the things they learned for many years, most of them were professors. They have learned for 20 years, practicing for 30 years. They all came to naught one day. And God said, hey, what you are seeing, I am going to add the heavens and the earth together. I'm going to shake. And every man made things. will be shaking. Every man made things. Praise the name of the Lord. Am I, am I speaking to somebody? Is somebody hearing me? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. So be sure. Be very sure you are building your life, your marriage, your ministry, building your businesses on divine principles. Hmm? Some of you, you use kululu. Corrupt means to marry. Corrupt business practices. You want to sleep with your boss so that you can get position. And you sleep with the, how do you call it, with the uh, examiner. Okay? The lecturers at the university. And then they give you, what? First class. You didn't work for it. They are man-made things. They will be shaken. You can't survive the test of time. Anything that is made, that's what the Bible says, anything that is made will be shaken. It is things that are not made by men that will survive. So please, do something about If you have built your life on corruption, you are building on man-made things, philosophies, human ideologies, you will be shaken. You will be shaken. I'm telling you, as your pastor, get yourself ready. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, last week we looked at a parable that Jesus gave. And that's where we ended. The parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus was trying to establish by this parable the principles of two buildings. Based on two buildings. One was built on the rock and the other was built on the sand. And in this parable, Jesus said, therefore, whosoever heareth this saying of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. 
Now in the Bible, when Jesus told Peter that you are a rock, your name is Peter, you are a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus was not talking about physical rock. He was talking about the revelation of the fact that he is the son of God. So revelation knowledge is a rock. Now Jesus is trying to say that those who build their life, who build their marriage on revelation, who build their business, who build their ministry, please take your time to pray before you get married. Take your time to pray before you start a business. Take your time to pray. Make sure what you are doing is of God. Because the Bible says that whatsoever is born of God, overcome this world. So if your dream is born of God, your marriage is born of God, your ministry is born of God, your business is born of God, your life is built on God's principle, you will overcome the shaking. You will overcome the storms. So he was talking about a wise man that builds his life on rock, which stands for revelation. You build your life on the principles of the word. The first building was built on the rock. Then he said the second building, he said, Yes, so verse, verse, yeah, he said, and the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. You see now, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So anything that was, is built on the rock will also be tested, but they will stand the test of time. Because a rock is solid. You build your life on the word of God, you are not afraid of anything. You know that you are, God, you are doing what God has asked you to do. You, you are in the ministry because God asks you to be in the ministry. When there's a shaking, it will not affect you. It will, you will stand strong because your ministry is built on the rock. If you know that you prayed and prayed and prayed and God revealed your husband, your wife to you and uh, people are complaining of uh, divorce and collapsed marriages, you are not shaking because you know your marriage is built on the rock. Build your faith on the word. Don't build your faith on a human being. Build your faith on the word. It will not be shaking. There are many who have built their faith on so many things. And then when the test of time comes, some have committed suicide. Christians who have committed suicide. They are, not, they are unable to stand the test. But you see, look at the element that tested the building. Number one, the flood came. Number two, the winds came. Eh? And blew the rain descended. First, he said the rain descended. The flood came and the wind. So, rain, flood, wind. These are divine elements employed to text any structure. Any structure. Both physical and spiritual. Now, look, let's look at the second building. So, verse 26 says, and everyone that heareth this saying of mine, and doeth them not, shall be like shall be likened unto a foolish man, which build his house upon the sand. Now, how many of you know that building on the rock is a very difficult thing? If you have an idea of building, very difficult because it will take you a lot of money, it will take you a lot of time, and it will take you a lot of investment. To be able to build a rock. And sometimes, when you are building a rock, you don't go as fast as you wish. But at the end of it, or your building will be solid. Now, in other way, uh, uh, in other hand, those who build on the sand, it's very fast to build on the sand. And it is very cheap. Eh? 
to be under the sun. And sometimes their building may even be beautiful than the one who struggle to be on the rock. But the Bible said the one that builds in the sun is a foolish man. It's a foolish man. If you are building your life on corruption, falsehood, you are not building on the word of God. You are, you are, you are getting all that you are acquiring by corrupt means. You are building the sun. You are living your life as an hypocrite. You are not a Christian. You are not a good Christian. You are not serving God well. You are building on the sun. Who are you deceiving? Because the elements will test the building. The flood will come. The rain will come. The wind will come. It's just a matter of time. The structure will be tested. You will be exposed. The foundation of a building will be exposed. You see? When the storms are not in and the rains are not in, you may not, not see the difference between the building that is built on the rock and the building that is built on the sand because their foundations are not exposed. Nobody sees foundation. Every structure, every foundation is hidden, true or false. Yes, it's hidden because once they dig it, they cover it. But then it is the element that will expose it. It is a test of time that will expose your foundation. So you can be hiding in hypocrisy. When the test of time comes, your foundation will expose you. So the Bible says that those who build in the sun, who are not building on the word of God, who are not building on the revelation of God's word, they are foolish people. Amen. That is where we end last week. All this thing I've said is about last week. Now let me move into today. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, today, we want to continue from where we ended last week. Amen. So, the scripture we read is Jeremiah 9, 9 verse 23. And in that particular scripture, we were told that the glory of the wise man must be based on the fact that he know God and he understands him. The glory of the wise man must be based on the fact that he knows God and he understands him. If there is any investment that we need to make in this end time, it must be an investment to know God. An investment to know God. Amen. I say what? If there is any investment you must build, you must put your uh, 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 your, your, something, some investment you must make in these last days. It should be an investment for the knowledge of God. Buy books. Buy books. Buy good Christian books. Read them. Spend time studying the scriptures. Listening to good Christian cassettes. Messages. Thank God these messages are all recorded and posted on the net. You can go there and listen to the message. Don't say I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Huh? Your foundation will be exposed. <laughs> when coronavirus came, the foundation of many people were exposed. You see Christians who are afraid. They are afraid. Eh? They are afraid. Even when the, the, the protocols were lifted and they said we should come to church, some still are afraid to come to church. Because they, they, they are not afraid to go to the market too. Eh? 
How many of you know that? Go to the marketplace. Even the market, they were even beating them, beating them to disperse. They were not dispersing. They are not afraid to go to the market. They are not afraid to do business. But they are afraid to come to church. The foundation was exposed. And this is just small. The bigger one is coming. The bigger one was coming. When the Antichrist will be exposed and he will pass a law that nobody should read the Bible. Nobody should mention the name Jesus. Nobody should go to church. It is only those who build their life on the knowledge of God who survive. They will be strong and they will, they will do exploits during those times. So make investments into God's word. Praise the name of the Lord. Build intimacy, intimate relationship with the Lord by getting to know God better. Get to know him better. Don't base on what your pastor told you alone. Search the scriptures yourself. When I give you scriptures, write them down. Go home. Go and look through them. Compare it to what I said. If there's doubt in your mind, come back and ask questions. Prepare for the coming storm. Amen. I want to give you four important principles you must live by if you are to overcome the coming storms. Four important principles. Number one, principle number one. Those who survive the coming storm, the first principle you must adhere to is repentance. Everybody say repentance. Say it aloud. Say it again. Now what is repentance? Repentance it's a change of mind and purpose and life. There are a lot of definition for the word repentance. Repentance is change. Change of mind and attitude towards a particular sin. Repentance is change. You must repent. Now the Bible says every repentance must precede is preceded by godly sorrow. Your repentance is not genuine until it is preceded by godly sorrow and godly sorrow must be preceded by conviction of sin. Now when we say conviction of sin, it's like, ooh, something pierced your heart. Oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. That's conviction. Nobody is forcing you to repent. You did something wrong. And then you, you regret. That's what we call conviction. You, you look at yourself and say, ah, shouldn't have done this wrong. And then you started crying. Not crocodile tears. I'm talking about godly sorrow. You are so guilty. You are so guilty. You are ashamed before God. And you, 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 are, you are so afraid of the consequences of your sins. To the extent that you run to God and say, please, please don't punish me. I'm sorry. That is what we call conviction. That's what we call repentance. It is, there's a difference between repentance and remorse. Remorse. Remorse is the thief is stealing and you catch him. <laughs> I won't do it again. Today is my first day. I won't do it again. That is remorse. He hasn't repented. 
If you had not caught him, you wouldn't have cried. But repentance is when nobody catches you. You are caught by your conscience. And you felt convicted. That's what called contrition of heart. Your heart is broken. You are broken. So I have disappointed God. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Nobody is there. Nobody knows about anything. It is between you and God. You are crying between you and God. Nobody, people actually see you crying. They don't know what is wrong with you. You, you are so sorry. You are afraid of the consequences. You, have, you know you have disappointed God and you said never again, Lord. Please help me. I, I will not do it again. That's what the Bible calls repentance. And if you are to survive in these last days against the coming storms, you must genuinely repent. Turn away from sin. Turn away from evil. You know what the Bible says? In the book of Proverbs, I want us to look at it. Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 28. It said, He that covered his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsake them shall have mercy. There are people they never accept that they've done anything wrong. Even when you caught them, they say, Well, they, they will challenge you, they'll argue with you. Hmm? Like Saul. When Samuel came and he said, Ah, but, but, you, God, God has told you to kill everything, everybody. But you have left. He said, no, 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 no. I didn't leave anybody. I killed anybody. And then, he said, I killed everything. No, no, say, someone was telling me, no. No, you didn't do what the Lord asked you. He said, no, no, I did. If you like, ask this. And then, then, a goat betrayed him. Me, 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 behind. And then, someone said, but is it not the goat that is bleating behind there? Then he said, oh, that one, I reserve it for sacrifice for the Lord. I reserve that for sacrifice. That is a man who has never repented. He has never been convicted. This is the man. No godly sorrow. It was after God promised to take the kingdom from him. That is when he's now trying to beg Samuel to pray for him. Those who genuinely repented, they don't argue. When they are convicted, they know that they were wrong and that they needed to be forgiven. They don't cover their sins. They come out. Sometimes they are public, they, they are willing publicly to even confess publicly so that they will feel fine because they are not feeling fine at all. That's what we call repentance. And the Bible says these are the people that will be shown mercy. God will show them mercy. If you repent, generally God will show you mercy. Praise God. Now, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 let's look at another component of repentance. Isaiah 30 15 the Bible says for thou sayest the Lord God the Holy One of Israel in returning he said I told you that re repentance means what? Change or return. Return. In returning and rest shall ye be saved and in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and you will not. In other words, God is saying, your salvation is only in repentance, in your repentance. When you don't return, you don't return, you know, when we say repent, repent means what? You are going in the wrong direction and they say repent. Not 360 degree, one 80 degree. 
360 degree brings you to the square one where you started from. But why 80 degree turn around? It's what we call repentance. You face the opposite direction. You change your path. You change your ways. And God is saying that it is in this returning that you find rest. It is in this returning. It is when you repent before you can find rest. And yet, I have told you this and, it, and he said, you will not. I told you this, but you will not. You will not. You are so adding that I warn you and I tell you that you are going on a right, wrong path. Retain. Repent. But you will not. And there are people like that who are hiding in the church. They come to church. They hear the message. They go back. They do the same thing. You are heading towards the wrong direction. You will die. You can't stand the test of time. You are building on the sun. So the first key, repentance. Return. That is where your rest is. That is where your salvation is. Proverbs 13 verse 2. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 13 2. A man shall eat good. Proverbs chapter 13. Praise the name of the Lord. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. Give, if there's another translation, the King James Version, this, okay, this is the King James Version. A man shall eat good by what? By the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the transgressor, the transgressor shall eat violence. The soul. Another translation says misfortune will pursue the sinner. Misfortune will pursue the sinner. Every sinner will have misfortune upon misfortune because God does not support sin. That is what you must know. If you are going to live your life by sin, you will not have God's support. Misfortune. Hmm. The way of the transgressor is hard. Because God is not in it. God cannot help you in sin. Holy Ghost will not help you in sin. That's why Holy Ghost is called Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is attracted by holiness. It is the evil spirit that is attracted by evil. So those who are living an evil life, they are attracting evil spirits. Hello? When a madman comes into your house, and you say, live here, live here, live here, live here. And while he was living, you pick his heart. And you send him to your chambers. Do you know what is going to happen? He will go, and he will come back again. Because you have something that belongs to him. You have something that belongs to him. If you are living in sin, the devil will not live your life. Misfortune will pursue the sinner. Then finally, let's look at what Jesus said. Repentance is key. That is the first principle for living by divine principles. 
Repentance. Do you know what repentance does? It resets your life. It's reset. How many of you know a uh, mobile phone? When you buy a mobile phone, eh, a second-hand mobile phone, what do you do? You t- and there are things in it that you, on it that you don't like. What do you do? You flash it. Huh? Is that what it? You reset it. Okay. Flashing means resetting. Is that what it? Delete everything. That's what it means. Repentance. Repentance reflashes you. And so the phone becomes like new again. Everything in it is deleted. When you flash it, it's reset again to factory. And or sometimes they'll say factory resets. Once you set to factory, everything is gone. Am I right? That's what repentance does. So when somebody repents, God don't remember his past anymore. Everything you have done, everything you have done is forgiven. Once you repent genuinely, you, your life is reset. Then God look at you as holy. And somebody will say, but God is not holy. This man, I know him. God say, I don't see anything. I don't see anything because the blood has covered it. The blood of Jesus has covered his past. Once the blood covers your past, God cannot even see your past anymore. And even though human being who knows you will be putting, pointing fingers at this one, it used to be very bad. This one is bad. He's a wicked guy. God said, I cannot see anything. When I look, I can't see it. Do you know why? Because once you repent and you ask for forgiveness. Now, in the book of John chapter 1, let's look at it. John chapter 1, verse uh, 16, 17, and 18. John chapter 1. Is it John? I think 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. First John, give me first John. Look at it. He said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But look at it, verse 17. Verse 17. Okay, he said, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar and the word, of, and the word is not in us. The truth in, another translation said the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, this is a wrong, wrong, wrong switch on there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So once you confess your sins and you repent from your sins, you are cleansed. So every unrighteousness in your life is taken away. And now you, you walk confidently as, as though you have never sinned. That's what the Bible calls justification. The word justification means just as you have never sinned. You are cleansed or sanctification washed completely. Amen. Amen. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Time will not permit us to go further. Nevertheless, let me try the second principle. Then I will leave the two principles for next week. So the first principle to live by, number one, repentance. 
First of all, we have said you build your life on the word. I'm trying to break it down. Repentance. Number two, principle. You want to break through in the coming storm. Be ready to sacrifice. Leave sacrifice. I mean, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Many people don't understand. They think, ah, we are saying, what are you talking of your pastor? Now that things are difficult, you say I should give sacrificially. Yes. Yes. You want to survive the hardness, hardship that is coming, learn to give sacrificially. And I'll show you why. Amen. Amen. Anytime you give towards the cause of the kingdom of God, you credit your account in heaven. You know, this Jesus said we should lay our treasures in heaven. How do you do that? How do you lay your treasures in heaven? Do you have a ladder to climb up to go and save in the bank of heaven? So what do you do? You give sacrificially towards the work of God. That is how you credit your account. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20. Lay not up for your te- look at it. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Jesus said, Don't don't save, don't hoard money on earth. Money is not, it's not meant to be hoarded. But he said, move it quickly. Verse 21. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. You see now. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust do corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. So how do I lay treasures for myself treasures in heaven? Give towards the kingdom business your account in heaven will be credited. Just like, now they know they have, they have, they are linking everything to, to, no, there, there is this, uh, uh, how do they call it? The, the vice president launched something recently where you can stay in your house and take money from your account and then you can also send money to your bank to save. What is the name for it? Hello? Interbank What? Uh, is it global banking? Well, I don't know what it is. But there is, there is an app now that you will have to download. And once you download that, you can do your transaction from home. Banking transaction from home. It's the same way. You can be here on earth and be doing transaction with heaven. You can be saving in heaven. Because the kingdom, the church is the kingdom of God. We, God is building a kingdom. Your investment into the kingdom is, is an investment in heaven, into your heavenly account. That's what Jesus is trying to say. So when Jesus says you should lay your treasures in heaven, he's talking about invest into the kingdom. Amen. 
praise the name of the Lord. So, sacrificial giving links you to financial covenant with God. It links you to financial covenant with God. Those who give sacrificially towards the work of God, they are linked into financial covenant. Now, when we say covenant, covenant plays an obligation on your partner to help you by all means in a difficult time. By all means in a difficult time. So you become like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In a drought, you don't feel it. Those who have a covenant with God, when people are crying that times are hard, things are hard, those are the times they prosper. For example, in the book of Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 and 2, we saw Isaac who, had, who was connected to God. And the Bible said that God, he was supposed to travel to Egypt and God told him he shouldn't travel. And there was a, a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Look at it. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of, of the Philistines, unto Jira. And the Bible said, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down unto Egypt. Everybody was thriving. Those days, Egypt was like America. What a superpower. And everybody was going there because they were prospering and there was famine everywhere. And Isaac too wanted to go. God said, no, I have a covenant with you. Don't go. Stay here. Go not down. He said, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Stay here. Let those who want to travel, travel. But you stay here. And so he stayed. Look at verse 2. Okay, verse 2. Now, let's move on from verse 2. And then look at um, verse 12 to 14. So, he stayed there. Okay, so remember it was a time of famine. And then verse 12 says, Then Isaac sold. When did he sow? He sold in the days of famine. Does it make any logical sense? In the day of famine, you are tempted to eat your seed. Because that's what you have. But he decided not to eat it, he to sow it. And he sowed his seeds in the days of famine. When things are difficult, that is when you must sow seed. Oh yes. Because that kind of seed leads you to a covenant prosperity. So look at what happened to him. So he sowed a seed in the same year and received a same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Then look at the blessings. Verse 14. And the man, he was talking of Isaac, he was great and went forward and grew until he became very, very great. And he had possession of flocks and possession of heads and great store of servants and the Philistines envied him. In the days of famine, he was, he was an object of, uh, uh, object of envy. Why? He learned the principle to sow during famine. Do you know that Ghana is hard now? But people will come to church, they wouldn't give offering. And when you ask them why, they will say things are difficult. I am preserving what I have for my children. Ignorant. Ignorant, 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 ignorant. Me, in a hard time, I saw Papa. So anytime it is hard, I don't feel it. I saw hard times. I look for opportunities to sow. 
Sometimes it's painful. Your last. Huh. Your last. Some, some seeds you are sowing, you are crying. Eh? What to me so seed now? How many of you have done that before? Ah, you haven't been there. You sow and then you discover that whoosh. But you have sown the seed. In farming, Isaac did that. And the Lord blessed him and he worked. And he be, what? And for he had possession of flocks and, and possession of heads and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. They envied him. Praise God. Praise God. Finally, I'll continue this next week. I'll continue from sacrificial giving next week. Finally, let's look at Genesis 22 verse 1. And then we'll look at verse 15 to 18. God tested Abraham and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, the word tempt there is supposed to be the word test. This is an old English. So God tested Abraham. God has not tempted people. The devil tempted people. God tested Abraham and said unto Abraham, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Look at verse 2. Go to verse 2. And he said, take now thy sign, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into a land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering unto me. Uh, sorry, upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. What? What? God, what, why, what are you telling me? This is the Isaac I waited for. This is the Isaac I prayed for for 25 years. 25 years, who? I was praying for this Isaac. Now you want me to give you this Isaac. But you know what God wanted to do with Abraham? He wanted to enter into a covenant prosperity with him. Anytime God wants to enter into a covenant prosperity with you, he will place a demand on you to give sacrificially. Don't forget this. He will place a demand on you to give sacrificially. Psalm 50 verse 5 says, Gather unto me my consecrated servant who have entered into covenant with me by sacrifice. He said, Psalm 50 verse 5, Gather unto me, gather my, my saints together unto me. That's what the King James Version says. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by what? By what? So, sacrifice links you to what? To covenant. So, there are some people, when you come to church and you are giving, everybody is giving five cities, you two give five cities. Everybody is giving one city, you two give one city. You, you are not serious. You are not serious. I'm not saying that if that is what you can do, do, fine. But if you can go beyond that, why not? Why not? Why not you try giving God 100, 10 cities, 20 cities, 30 cities, when everybody is giving one cities or five cities? It's about you and your future. So, gather my Saints together 
unto me those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. So I want to say covenant by sacrifice. Say it aloud. Say covenant by sacrifice. Praise God. I want to end here. Our time is fast spent. I will take two questions next week by the grace of God. We will continue from where we left off. Two questions from you. So the first question is coming from my brother uh, uh, Smith Oman. So let's take the question from our brother Smith. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, please, Daddy, uh, you said when you repent, God will not uh, remember your sins anymore. When you repent, yes. So my question is, uh, what about the consequences of your sins? Yes. God will not remember your sins anymore, but you suffer consequences. Now, the consequence of your sins happens physically. For example, you are an arm robber before you became born again. And you went and stole something and they cut off your hand. When you repent, your hand will not grow. Anytime you look left, you remember. That's a consequence of your sin. That was physical. Human being who know you are a criminal will continue to remind you of your past. That's the consequence of your sin. But with God, he has promised that your sin you remember no more. That is, me, I don't care what people think about me. Once God, what I care is what God thinks about me. Because people are not going to judge me. It is God who judges me. So, that is the first thing that happens. God will not remember your sins. Your past is gone. If you repent genuinely, he will forgive you. That's why he said he will cleanse you. And when your sins are cleansed, there is nothing to, to, to remember. Eh? We read that in 1 John chapter uh, uh, 1 verse 9. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Once you are cleansed, there is no point of reference anymore. This is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they were, their sins were not cleansed. Their sins were covered. That's why they call it atonement. So, if you, perform, if you commit any mistake, God will open up. And you remember your sins and punish you. Add it to the old one and the new one together and punish you. But in the new covenant, the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it cleanses. So there will not be trace of your old sin. Amen. Okay, second question. We are left with one question. Second question. Your question will not only help you, it will help others. Amen. Is there any second question? Okay. So if there's no question, I want you to be on your feet right now. You alone are my strength, my strength to you alone. Come on, lift your voice and let's sing. Make my spirit yours. You alone. Come on, sing it. my heart desire and I long. To sing us the dear lift your hands up, lift your hands up. The water, come on, sing to the Lord. 
my soul longer after thee. You alone. Let it be a song from your heart. Let it be a song from your heart to the Father. Desire and I long. Come on. To Sing you alone are my strength. Come on, sing it. My shield. Lift your hands and sing it to the Lord. To you alone make my spirit. Sing you alone. Sing again, you alone. Sing you alone. Come on. Open your mouth and sing it to the Lord. My strength, my shield. Lord. Can you lift your two hands and begin to thank the Lord for the mysteries that you've heard tonight? Open your mouth and begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just give the Lord praise, worship Him, and adore Him. Rakatoste, prakatole, mekwa, dere mekwa. Ra e 